Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Daniel Sprong scores already in this game. His shot was blocked. Emily gets it in the slot. Schwartz, Emily scores! Jordan Emily, game four, overtime winner! Well, that guy's got a good voice. I'm glad we have him calling hockey games in the NHL. That was, of course, the Game 4 win for Seattle. They have also won Game 5, and they can eliminate the Colorado Avalanche when they play them in Seattle tomorrow night, which would be... I, I know I've said there aren't a lot of upsets in the NHL because the teams are so close, but I do think that would be a pretty significant upset. Oh, and isn't this a treat? We do have the guy who called that goal ready to go here at Inside Sports. Play-by-play voice for the Seattle Kraken. Everett Fitzhugh checking in. Everett, outstanding overtime goal call, my friend. Hey, thanks so much, man. It's uh, It's been a fun ride. I, I got to tell you, this is one of those things that, you know, putting my fan hat on for a second, you, you, I grew up watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? I'm from Detroit, so I came up in the, the 90s and, and 2000s, all those great runs the Red Wings had, and, you know, watched every every second of those series. And now to be able to to do it uh, professionally and, and, and call these games for the newest franchise, in the NHL, it's, it's been a fun ride, and this team has been a lot of fun to watch, too. Well, they have been, and they keep defying expectations. Through most of the regular season, the story was, and you came on my show two or three times to talk about it, well, you know, they're good, but they're probably not this good. They're not going to quite keep it up. And maybe to some extent that was justified because obviously Edmonton, Vegas, and L.A. all kind of pulled away from Seattle late in the season, though perhaps that was yep. more credit to those three teams as, a, as opposed to Seattle's shortcomings. And then going into this series... I mean, I thought they were decided underdogs, and it's not over. Like, I'm not counting any chickens here, Everett, but I thought they were decided underdogs against the Avalanche. Like, what were you thinking going into it, first of all? You know, I, I thought this series, if I'm being completely objective here, if I'm being completely unbiased toward the team that signs my paycheck, I, I thought that this was probably going to be Avalanche in six. I thought the Kraken could steal one um, on the road. This team is, is one of if, uh, the best road teams in the NHL all year long in Seattle. So, But you're going up against the defending cup champions. And, yes, they've been without Gabriel Aniscog all year. You lose Natushkin uh, early in the series, which we didn't know that was going to happen until you get to game three. Um, and then, of course, you know, Nazem Kadri is in uh, Calgary, uh, Andre Burakovsky's in Seattle. So a lot of that core from last season is not there anymore. Uh, but I'm still thinking to myself, you know what? They're the defending cup champions for a reason. They still play. They, they, they still won the Central Division, 109 points. So I was thinking that this was probably going to be abs in, in six. Maybe Kraken could pull it off in seven. But it's been the depth for Seattle that they've had all year long. It's been the goaltending from Philip Grubauer, who has been really um, solid over the last month, month and a half of the season. Everything's been coming together for this team. And they've been able to finally put it together, all of it together, at the right moment well yeah and, and I just no, I, I didn't quite see the whole game last night but I was able to kind of sit down and, and ingest most of the third period and 
you know, sometimes, and I know there are experienced players on the team, but and you, I'm yeah. sure you know this, Everett, hockey or whatever sport, sometimes teams that are doing something together for the first time, yeah. you might still sense a little uneasiness. I didn't really... Now, I'm watching on TV, you're there, but I didn't sense like, oh, they don't know how to close it out or, you know, the Avs know what to do and, and Seattle doesn't. I didn't really sense that. No, I think you're right. I mean, this team is still learning how to win together. But remember, you've got seven players on this team who have won Stanley Cups. Three of them have won, four of them have won multiple Stanley Cups throughout their careers. So for Seattle, the experience has been there. They've had a lot of recent experience. And you look at Schwartz and Dunn, Burakovsky, Yanni Gord, all of those guys have won Stanley Cups uh, within the last four years. Um, so for Seattle, the experience is there. Jordan Eberle, I, I think, said it best. A couple games ago, the Kraken, um, when they get up by a couple of goals, they tend to get a little cute, maybe a little bit too fancy. They start trying things that they normally wouldn't try, um, and and you allow teams back in. And that's something we've seen from this team all year long is that Seattle's never really been able to get that three-goal lead. They've never been able to put good teams away early in hockey games when they have the lead to be able to sustain that. So for them. To, to be able to, to pick this up on the fly, and I think last night's game was an example of that. I mean, this team has never been able to play a quote-unquote boring hockey game. But last night, low-event hockey, a 3-2 win, the Kraken got up, they stayed up, and they were able just to keep the avalanche at bay uh, for most of the night, which, again, they've added these little wrinkles into their game as this series has gone on, and they really took Jordan Everly's words to heart after game four. We need to start putting these teams away, putting the pedal down, and, and keeping that focus through a full 60 minutes. Uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, the influence of head coach uh, Dave Haxtall because I, I I would think the team doesn't get to this point and have some of their uh, their mental strength without him. Yeah, no, I, I mean Haxtall has been you know where a lot of folks wrote him off after Philadelphia, right? He, he gets fired to Philadelphia, couple playoff appearances there, has never gotten past the first round, couple of years as an assistant in Toronto, didn't really have a lot of playoff success there in Toronto, uh, but he's really been able to come into Seattle and establish a, a culture of hard work, of accountability, and I know it sounds cliche because of course every coach wants accountability and they want hard work, but when you watch this cracking team play, the relentless forecheck, the fact that they are so good in transition through the neutral zone, not the heaviest team. This isn't Minnesota. This isn't, uh, you know, a team that's going to grind you down and wear you down. But what the Kraken will do, they're, they're going to outwork you most nights. And that is, I think, a direct um, result of the tutelage of Dave Haxtall. And I tell you what, the entire assistant coaching staff for this organization has had success at various levels. I think the most unsung, underrated signing of the Kraken's offseason last year was assistant coach Dave Lowry. Uh, he's been able to bring in an a whole wealth of knowledge. Of course, his time in the Western League, his time in the NHL, his son Adam plays for Winnipeg, so you know he's still very close to the game, but he's been able to bring in a, a very calming presence. He's lightened things up uh, a lot. You know, There's a lot more smiles. It's not as 
serious as it was in year two. And I think a lot of that has to do with the veteran influence and the presence that a guy like Dave Lowry has brought in. Everett Fitzhugh joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, just keeping an eye on Tampa Bay and Toronto as well. Marner just had a breakaway, denied. So 2-1 for the Lightning with 14:40 left in the third period. I know I ask you this almost every time, and maybe I'll stop after this season, but I think it's still relevant. And that's about, well, I think it is relevant here because playoff hockey, as you know, it's just different. Whether you're watching it TV or in person. So in that building for NHL hockey, NHL playoff hockey, for the first time with the Kraken, I'll ask you a two-parter. What was it like for games three and four? And what do you expect tomorrow night for the chance to win the series from the fans? Games three and four. So I'll start with game three. Until game four, game three was the loudest sporting event I have ever been to, period. Full stop, bar, bar none. That atmosphere was electric, and it's been so much fun. And I've told you this before. It's been so much fun watching this team and watching this city go from being a hockey market because, of course, you've got the Western Hockey League here. You've got Everett and Seattle and all those teams. But now they're becoming an NHL market, and that has been fun watching that transition. So game three was awesome. They lost game three, but then you come back and game Game four, Jared McCann takes that bad hit um, from Kale McCarr. The the crowd jumps up. The roof blows off the place. Every time Kale McCarr touched the puck the rest of the game, there was this loud chorus of boos, and you could just feel the environment. You could feel the crowd ready to crescendo. And then when Jordan Eberle scored that overtime-winning goal, I mean, again, the roof literally about flew off the place. I felt the press bridge uh, there shaking and rattling back and forth. So it was it was a lot of fun. And then I can tell you right now, for game six, to be able to close this out at home. Oh, my little guy is in the background right now. That's okay. Uh, to, to, be able, to be able to potentially close this out in game six tomorrow night, again, you still have a little bit of that leftover Jared McCann, Kale McCarr, you know, vitriol for from the crowd perspective i mean that's going to be the biggest event i think in seattle sports history here in recent years maybe outside of the mariners clinching game last year of course the super bowl for the seahawks they've been a couple of times but i mean tomorrow night's game is going to be unlike any other i think we've seen in seattle in a very long time okay it sounds like i better let you go be a dad everett Oh, you're good. You're good. Oh, we're good for one more? Okay. You're good for one more. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. I did. I, I always, I mean, people are so nice to come on my show, and then I feel like, oh, my God, what am I pulling them away from? So, okay, <laughs> if you got if you got help there, that's uh, that's good. Oh, yeah, no, we got help. We're, we're good. We're all good. <laughs> uh, is that your first one? I can't remember. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my first. Yeah, it'll okay. be uh, it'll be 11 months on Monday, so we're coming up uh, coming up on a year. Okay. Now, okay. I haven't. I've never. Was your uh, was your wife a hockey fan before you were in the picture? No. She no. <laughs> she actually. I I got I got my wife into hockey. She's from New Jersey. She grew up uh, on the other side of the river from New York. So went to a handful of Rangers games, handful of Devils games as a kid. Spent some time in Boston. Went to a few Bruins games. But she wasn't really a hockey fan until she met me and I was working uh, in the ECHL in Cincinnati. So um, you know, I she was telling me the other day, actually last night, I'm in a group chat with a few of our 
friends. And she was just as uh, invested and her nerves were just as rattled as mine were. And it's been fun, you know, because now, you know, your wife is invested in this. and You guys can can have heart attacks together, right? You guys can can have that queasy feeling together when, you know, every pass up and down the ice for your team. So she, she's, a, she's a bona fide hockey fan now for sure. Okay. Well, and the, the nerves are real. And I, I've heard yeah. from so many Oilers fans about their experience watching these games. And until the last Oilers game, they were all incredibly close and people saying they couldn't watch or had to go away from the TV and how nice it oh, was yeah. to have a three-goal win in Game 5 and all that kind of stuff. No, that's, again, the fans here, we we talk so much about how playoff hockey is different, right? There's nothing like playoff hockey. Here in Seattle, they've had playoff baseball for the first time in 20 years. They've had a couple Super Bowl trips. The Sonics left a while ago, but you have to go back to 1995, the last time the city of Seattle had a springtime, March, April, best of seven um, playoff run, right? So it's been a very, very long time. And again, we're trying to cultivate new NHL fans. Hockey fans have been here, but you're trying to cultivate these new NHL fans. So fans are like, all right, every everyone says that about their sport. Okay, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, it's gonna be tough, we get it. But now you're actually seeing fans who have gone to games three and four, who have watched each game on television, and they're like, Okay, now I get it. This is intense. And and you you look on social media after every game, during games, I always have my Twitter feet up during games and just the the amount of comments and interaction that we get people hanging on to every word every play it's it's been like i said fun to watch that transition here in real time of this city becoming a hockey market like i said i grew up in detroit hockey town right i'm used to this and now i'm starting to see slowly some of that passion from kraken fans uh, early in, in this team's existence some of that same passion that I saw growing up in Detroit all those years in the late 90s. Hey, Everett, I just want to end on uh, on one note. Um, Andy Eide, who has been on this show in, in the past, unfortunately passed away yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and, and he, I, I think he was the first person I ever interviewed about pot uh, the potential team in Seattle like two or three yeah. years before it became official, and unfortunately, uh, you know, he passed away, and I believe it all started when he collapsed before an Oilers-Kraken game. Uh, can can yeah. you just give us a memory of Andy? Yeah, no, Andy, I mean, he was one of the very first people that I met and talked to about hockey here in Seattle. I, I knew of the Silver Tips and I knew of the Thunderbirds, but I didn't really know much about the hockey culture here in, in Seattle. And Andy, I had really, you know, helped tell that story before our expansion draft, before the inaugural draft and where Seattle took Matty Beneers. He was telling me all about the different players. Look out for this guy from Brandon. Look out for that guy from Moose Jaw, wherever, right? These Western hockey league talents but i think the one memory that i will carry with me for andy i is that he was one of the very first people uh in this city who started to get the wheels going in terms of hey maybe we should start seeing if we can get a fan coalition together about getting hockey here he wrote articles about what the nhl would be like here in seattle and i'll never forget earlier this season uh you know covid uh, restrictions have been lifted media is allowed in the locker room again and i'll never forget that first practice this year 
him walking in the locker room and he just had this calm uh, confidence that this comfort came over him as if to say, man, like they, they, I finally made it. This is the team that I cover. And he's been in locker rooms before. He, he's no stranger to locker rooms. He's no stranger to, scr- to scrums. But just walking into that Kraken locker room for the first time, the happiness on his face, the glow in his eyes that, you know, this is the team that I get to cover. I'm in their locker room. I'm talking to these players in, in a one-on-one matter. He he showed up every practice. There was a, an optional skate earlier this year with I think two players, and he was there for the whole thing. Um, you know, you knew he was in the room. He had this beautiful, big personality, this beautiful laugh. You know, he, he was one of those guys that you you were very honored to know and to be around, and he'll definitely be missed. He already is missed. A lot of folks have spent a lot of time with him over the years, and, you know, there's been not a whole lot of dry eyes in Seattle hockey media over the last couple of weeks. Everett, well said. Thank you, as always, for coming on the show, and enjoy calling Game 6 tomorrow, my friend. Oh, looking forward to it, man. Hopefully we'll be talking uh, to you here down the road and the Kraken can get this win in game six and move on. Excellent stuff. See you soon, Everett. All right, we'll talk to you, Reed. Thanks, buddy. Everett Fitzhugh, play-by-play voice for the Seattle Kraken. Can they knock off the Avs tomorrow night? It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. The Tampa Bay Lightning now up 3-1 on the Maple Leafs with 6.39 left in the third period. Nick Paul with an unassisted goal, so Tampa Bay trying to stretch that series to game six, take it back home for Saturday night. And the other game, Devils looking good, up 3-0 on the Rangers now after two. Dawson Mercer has the latest goal, a shorthanded marker. So the Devils trying to go up 3-2 in that series and be the first team to win a home game there. Oilers and Kings on Saturday, game six in L.A. Time of that still to be determined. We'll have it for you here on 630 Chat. Craig McTavish coming up on Inside Sports.